one. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. Hello. Hello. Uh, this episode is one of the mid-season finales. Um, yeah, it's like the, fir- <laughs> the, the first third season finale. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't really know what to call it. So it's just one of them. Because <laughs> um, I can't, I feel like we do get one more, right? Like for the. Yeah, I mean, they the definitely. Third. I don't, I don't know if they have like big breaks between each one or whatever, if there's just a short break in the spring or something, but they definitely, there's, there, this is, this is a season that's clearly discreetly divided into three. Uh, portions and even advertised that way yeah very interesting you know what i didn't even because we watched the next episode as well i didn't even look to see if the logo looked different i'll have to look for that next time because they changed the logo like the opening logo it was like yes. ghostwritery so i wonder if it's like super androidy now <laughs> i haven't looked we'll save that for next episode <laughs> um all right, before we get started, we are a part of the But Why Though podcast community. Be sure to check be sure to check them out on butwhythoughpodcast.com uh, and their Twitter at butwhythoughpc. We are super proud to be a part of their community. This is season four, episode eight, titled the super cheesy title, The Law of Inferno Dynamics. Ha ha ha. <laughs> that goes on the list. Still better than tracks. It really is. Because <laughs> at least I understand what they mean yeah i feel like all the fire pun uh titles that they've had are super cheesy because wasn't there one that was like let me oh it was like yes. based off of the Jimi hendrix song or whatever yeah the let <laughs> me stand like, next to your fire yeah was one that was pretty recently uh used and that was not great no this one was also not great um this episode was written by our friend paul z i'm not even going to attempt to try and say his last name as usual and then- I, I i uh <laughs> just as, as i said right before we started recording I, i've just uh binged all of lost uh mm-hmm. is in an inhuman pace because of my loud neighbors keeping me up almost all night, most nights this last week. And uh, Paul Z was one of the writers and producers on that, like, and seemed to be, seemed to get involved, like, when it got really, really into the heavy sci fi stuff. Like, I seemed to see, oh, I, 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 it feels like I saw his name more and more uh, popping up in the season when they're all time traveling to 1977. And <laughs> I was like, oh. Oh, that's sense. interesting Well, because nice. it's one of the ones that's like praised as being I, I recently uh, listened to a podcast with like a, a, a physicist, a, a theoretical physicist who like one of their uh, fields of expertise, like for fun, I think more than their actual like professional study is is like a theoretical time travel physics. And they talked mm-hmm. about how like that's one of the best versions of it, like one of the like hardest sci fi because it's consistent with its own rules. And I, w- I was like, oh, hey. Our guy Paul with the uh, difficult name. <laughs> yeah, good, good job with that one because he he wrote like several of those episodes. I wonder now because I haven't really been paying attention to like what episodes he writes. I mean, he's I think he has producing credits on quite a few of them. Well, he's want- one of the guys who was on the Ghost Rider show that was canceled. Like he's one of the yeah, new, big yeah. main names on it. I wonder if he um, is usually the producer for the more heavy science episodes, because I feel like this is a pretty heavy science episode. There's like nuclear physics, like they talk, you know, it's it's Fitz and Simmons trying to figure out, like figure shit out. And I don't know. (laughs) Now I'm wondering. I haven't been paying attention. Uh, I'll have to pay attention to that. Um, 
this episode was directed by Kevin Tenterin, um, and it originally aired December 6th, 2016. So this is the last episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. for 2016. Um, and later in the season, they start getting really salty about everything that's going on at the end of 2016 and early 2017. And actually, I think we like became friends shortly after this aired. I think it was right around the time that the next episode aired. Because I remember like it was like right after the election and it was like during like all the like Muslim ban stuff and the protests. Yeah. So this is like. <laughs> yeah, because we talked about it, uh, I think, I think off mic uh, uh, recently because uh, you had your birthday and it was right. It was the it was immediately after that that yeah. we met when they did that, that first uh, Muslim ban protest with the. Uh, this airport, stupid, yeah. stupid law that's still <sighs> still in effect or not law, it worse. But... Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Just great. Here we are still four years later. Well, I guess it's technically three, but whatever. Um, that's funny. Anyway, a little mile- milestone for the for us and the show. <laughs> um, so if you don't remember from last episode, because it's been a while since we recorded and I didn't remember, so I was like, I'm writing this down for myself, but maybe you don't have a problem with that. Um, Uncle Eli is at large. He has transformed himself into a, quote, God, and he can uh, make matter out of nothing. And so... Mac and Robbie, who uh, Mac has now experienced having the Ghost Rider inside of him, they are going to go after Uncle Eli. Um, and Ada is making a brain because she read the Darkhold, and it was a bad idea, as we'll find out. <laughs> um, so we start off. The uh, Chinese gang is in a warehouse, and they're working with Eli, and he's building something. And um, S.H.I.E.L.D. is there, and the guy that runs in to talk to him is like, what do we do? S.H.I.E.L.D.'s here. The cops are here. And Eli's like, hey, deal with them. Stall them. Like, I'm still working. And the Chinese gang hires are like, um, you know, that's S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, you you want us to get involved with them? Um, you know, and, like, we want to get paid. <laughs> and so um, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll pay you. And he's like, well, I don't see any money yet. And Eli's like, okay. And so he fills up the guy with diamonds from the inside and the guy starts coughing diamonds up out of his mouth and dies and Eli's like yeah um they're uncut but they're worth a lot but you'll have to dig the rest of them out of his lungs uh we go to downtown uh, well we're in downtown LA now but we go to downtown LA and um, Mace is chatting via video chat or voice chat with the local news. Um, and he's basically like, oh, yeah, we got this under control. Like, don't worry. And um, May and Coulson are in Mace's office. And Mace is like, dude, S.H.I.E.L.D. can't be seen working with Daisy or Robbie. Like, that's just a PR nightmare. And Coulson's like, well, we need to go in with the big guns because he's going to like level half of Los Angeles and the big guns are the inhumans. So Yo-Yo, Daisy, and um, and then Robbie, even though he's not inhuman. Um, and then Mace is like, oh, also Ada. And then he's he's like, oh yeah, she was able to build that thing that like brought you back. Like maybe it's related. And Colson's like, uh, I have something to tell you. <laughs> and so he explains that she's an android. And Mace is like, what the fuck? And he's just like, okay, I'm gonna forget about the fact that I'm mildly attracted to her. But hello, like, did everybody forget about Ultron? Like, why are we creating AI? And um, uh. And Coulson's like, um, 
you know, you know, like whatever, we'll just like use her for what she needs to be used for. And then we'll deal with it after like we need to, you know, the mission comes first. And so Mace gives Coulson his team and he is requested to keep Daisy out of sight. Um, and then May mentions, which we know is not really May, Android May says that she will be playing chauffeur to a robot. And so she's going to go pick up Ada and Radcliffe. And then they talk and flirt about getting their drink after this mission. Which sucks because it's not really her. Um, uh, on scene um, at the warehouse Robbie is being asked to wear this mask thing and Mac I forget what he calls it it's a uh, Robbie thinks he's calling it baklava but that's not what Mac calls it and I don't know what it is it's like the ski mask right that you that people wear but it's yeah balaclava I think is what it's balaclava I have never heard that word in my entire life It's like a, I, I think that's right. And I, I, it's usually referred to the ski mask, but it's like the same cut as like the basic, like, like a ninja mask, you know? Okay. Yeah. So I think, like I think that's right. Yeah. Balaclava, uh, close, close fitting garment covering the whole head and neck, except the part parts of the face typically made of wool. Interesting. <laughs> typically made of wool. Thank you. <laughs> that was very important. Oh, uh, let's see. Originally worn by the soldiers in active service in the Crimean war. Named okay. after the port of Balaclava in Crimea. Okay. Okay. The wool makes sense now. <laughs> so it was uh, it was an alliance of British and French and Turkish uh, Turkish uh, forces against Russia. Interesting. Right. Very interesting. Super, yeah. Uh, I knew the knew the word. Didn't know the history. <laughs> I learn something new every day. Anyway, Robbie. Thank, thank you, Mac. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Paul Z, for writing this in there. Um, so yeah, Robbie's like, I don't want to wear this. And Mac's like, it's a balaclava. You have to. It's not, it's not so bad. And Robbie's like, isn't that a dessert? And Mac is just like, no, what are you talking about? Anyway, they start talking about like um how uh you know Robbie needs to be taking orders from Mace, like it's an order. And uh, Robbie's like, yeah, I don't take orders from him. The guy I take orders from is a little bit more. And Max's like, yeah, I've met him. <laughs> and they kind of have this moment of understanding of like, hey, I, you know, like if we live, we got we got to live through this because I want to get rid of him. And Mac is like, yeah, I don't blame you. Um, and Robbie is not wearing the mask. So he just leaves without the mask or the balaclava. <laughs> <laughs> um, meanwhile, Fitz and Simmons are on the Zephyr and they're monitoring the scene from above using infrared, our favorite. <laughs> so they're seeing that like all the Eli, most of Eli's men have run off and that's weird. So Eli must be in there by himself. It's the perfect opportunity to go in after him. And of course, uh, <laughs> Coulson can read everyone's lips. As we know. <laughs> That's Ward. I know yeah. it. I, I can tell by his heat signature. <laughs> oh my god, it's my favorite. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> no, it, it has become like more preposterous in my head, where he can't read people's lips. <laughs> He's like, I know exactly what they're saying and thinking. <laughs> so good. It's so good. Where's Hunter when we need him? Anyway, <laughs> um, Fitz wants to know how Eli is pulling off all his weird science stuff without disturbing the law of physics. He's like, this doesn't make sense. Like, these are laws for a reason. Like, they cannot be broken, blah, blah, blah. And then Simmons is kind of snarky. She's like, maybe it's magic. <laughs> and then, <laughs> which is kind of this ongoing thing throughout the first third of the season. Um, and there's we start to have earthquakes. And um, they're like, oh, God. Um I hope that's not Daisy. And Daisy's like, nope, it's not me. Like, I didn't do that. And she has new gauntlets on. And um, Daisy and Yo-Yo 
um, are on scene and they're going to go find Robbie. And Yo-Yo calls Robbie Burning Man, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> I don't remember that. And they enter the warehouse uh, or they go to enter the warehouse. The three of them meet up and go and they're like, um, they open this door and Daisy asks Yo-Yo to do some recon and she's like, okay, I'll go run around and see what's going on. So Yo-Yo starts running down the hallway and she sees all this like weird shit all over the walls. It's like, it looks like someone just like spray painted like weird shit on the walls. It's like all these weird lines. And then um, she hears they hear water dripping like before they walk in and she steps in water and it splashes onto the shit that's on the walls and it just lights the walls on fire. And so she has to turn around and try to run out. And as the walls are just like lighting up, she basically gets blown out into, out of the hallway outside. And, you know, since it's fire, I guess Robbie has to go in now. <laughs> it has to be him because um, no one else can go in and um, Yo-Yo's okay. We find out she's fine. Um, Radcliffe, uh, meanwhile, is with Mace and he's trying to explain Ada to Mace. And he's like, look, I know this looks bad. Like the, I'm the evil scientist that like went too far and created this thing. But it's really not like that. Like I really genuinely like made her to be a shield to protect, you know, shield agents. and." Um, you know, Mace is like, you know, um, Ada learned how to build this thing with the dark hold, this arch thing with the dark hold. And they're like, yeah, we can like have her build something like in the, you know, you know, in the, in the warehouse, like to stop Eli or whatever we can bring her. And then Mace is like, all right, well, we'll use her this one time, but you know, afterwards we're going to have to have a chat about it. And so, but it seems like he has plans for her, um, after the fact, um, and he does, and they're not great. <laughs> um, so uh, Yo-Yo is getting checked out by medical, and Mac is being super overprotective. And um, he's like, why are you being so cold? Because she's just sitting there, like, not really responding to him, like, ranting. And she's like, uh, I just got hit with a giant fireball. I lost my favorite jacket. And, like, you're treating me like a little girl. <laughs> like, they're just, like, bickering. And um, Daisy and Coulson are trying to see uh, what's on Robbie's camera because Robbie is walking through the hallway. And so Robbie is walking through. The feed finally comes up and some of Eli's men show up. And Robbie sees this box that Eli has made standing in the middle of this warehouse. And um, Fitz and Simmons say that he's that Eli has made this giant power source. And um, cesium uh, is what was on the walls and which is flammable when it comes in contact with water. So um, Fitz and Simmons are saying that like, oh, his skills at being able to you know, kind of go down the periodic table and create matter. He went from carbon to now cesium, which is like a more complex chemical uh, makeup is like it's his skill is is getting better. And so he's now making more complex um, elements. <laughs> and um, Fitz is like looking at the video feed and he recognizes this thing on the wall of the box. It's like this little box within the box. And um uh, Eli shows up just as Robbie starts walking into the box. It's funny because like off camera or like off, you know, off scene, uh, Simmons is like, don't go in there. Don't go in there. <laughs> um, but Robbie can't hear because the comms are fried. And so uh, Robbie goes into the box and Eli is like, why are you here? Go home. Um, and Robbie's like, I have some unfinished business, blah, blah, blah. I got to take you out. And so the writer starts to show up. But Eli puts a stake of carbon through Robbie mounting him to the wall. And then there's a really big earthquake right after that. Um, which, dude, Eli, what have you become? Um, 
And uh, the thing inside this box, uh, Fitz says, is called the Demon's Core, which is something um, an actual physicist named it. <laughs> um, it's not just like <laughs> like magical jargon um, that we've been having. And essentially, uh, Fitz says it's a fuel source, and Simmons says it's a failsafe, which it's basically a nuclear bomb. Like if this thing on the top like shuts the box, it'll basically blow up, which is great. So. Colson's like, hey, got time for plan B? Anybody? Anybody? Because he's usually the guy with the plan B plan, but now no one has a plan. <laughs> so good. Great. Um, since Robbie's stuck here, Eli and Robbie start having a chat. And dude, he was totally trying to kill Robbie. He's like, well, you know, I have a, you know, since you're not dead, like the radiation inside that box, plus the carbon spike through you would have killed anybody by now, but you're still alive somehow. And so he starts talking about how he's heard stories of the ghost rider while he's been in prison. And he's like, I'm my own nephew. Like, I can't believe it. Like, how did this happen? And Robbie's like, uh, you, it, it happened because of you like that night that the, you know, the gangs came after me and Gabe, like that's when it happened. And Eli's like, dude, that was like Lucy and Joe. Like that wasn't me. Like I was just trying to like, you know, do the science thing. And, and, um, um, Robbie's like, dude, like, why did you become a killer? Like what happened? Like you had a good job. Like you had us, like what, you know, what went wrong? And Eli's like, I had a good job. He's like, these white people, these guiros, he says, thought that they were doing me a favor. So he's like pissed because obviously racism and the system was against him and he wanted respect. And so he talks about how he like no one believed in him and people just thought he was cheating the whole way. And he had to work twice as hard just to like claw his way to get in the damn door, even though he was just as talented and just as intelligent and smart as any of the white people in the room. Well, um, and it, 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 like we talked about like the basic differences uh, when I covered the comics connections uh, for, for his character. And, uh, and I feel like the scene was really good because it's well acted and I like it because it's like, the classic Marvel villain who, you know, they aren't but like DC bad guys. They're not like Lex Luthor or, yeah. or, uh, or, or, or Joker, you know, for the most part, they, they do have, there's a, there's a few, you know, uh, poison Ivy or Rachel Ghoul have like environmentalist vents or whatever, but, but these, they're, they're more like bigger, broader silver age or golden age superhero style villains uh, at DC are like, cut and dry they're evil evil capital e pure evil yeah. evil whereas these guys are like a one twist of fate to the left and they would have been just as heroic as one of our heroes mm -hmm. it's just they got pushed because something screwed up happened an abusive parent an abusive system in this case like a racist system that just constantly put him down and pushed him into a corner and pigeonholed him until he ended up sort of fulfilling a, a couple of those like like like, like a self-fulfilling prophecy almost you know like like yeah and it, it makes him so much more tragic it's like this is a version of dr doom who's co-created by you know a, a person of color and yeah. not just stan and jack who is a very interesting idea and has a lot of like i mean they, they were from a marginalized group you know they were Jewish immigrants or children of Jewish immigrants during World War II. <laughs> yeah. So they had they had their own stuff going on. But it's just interesting because I don't know, it's like a, a new perspective informing the kind of classic formula of Marvel villains. And, and I it, it was very interesting because the like the best villains, you empathize with him, but you also still like see where he went wrong, like where he just went a little too oh, far. Yeah, very, very much like Killmonger, you know. And yeah. uh, I feel like Jaying falls into that category too. Like, 
absolutely absolutely like trying just you know fuck everybody else i'm just trying to protect my people now because it's us against the world type of thing and when, <laughs> and when, like when you think of all the shit like where she was literally she was vivisected you know like yeah. like murdered and and, and re stitched together and murdered again like experimented on like the the torture she endured would drive anyone insane like, like you you can't fault them like there's turning the other cheek like out of some sort of like kindness or whatever i mean there's just being a doormat you know yeah. like, like like there's there's no virtue in any of these characters not like the, the the line between vengeance and justice is so so small yeah well and i think that's the commentary of superheroes anyway like any superhero story that's the commentary the line between justice and and vigilantism and vengeance is so 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 thin and colson has definitely been walking that line for a while <laughs> oh yeah absolutely it feels like this whole season is almost him like been him so far trying he's tried to make amends for that and tried to like tried to like uh account for it and have some sort of reckoning but he doesn't want to stop doing what he's been doing like, like he's butting heads with the person who he put in place to check him yeah constantly and he just like undermines him constantly he just like goes behind his back i think it's interesting um so these villains like we think eli jaying killmonger they're you know they were oppressed by the system they were constantly knocked down told they were never good enough like not allowed to be you know they they were seriously marginalized <laughs> um because of racism because of you know whatever and there's a larger commentary within the inhuman story but um in general it's interesting that shield in this case which is a government agency is being presented as the solution or like the right way to do things because it's quote like a more justice serving entity which I'm a little uncomfortable with because S.H.I.E.L.D. is part of a government. The government is part of the racist system that put Eli in this position, that put Killmonger in this position, that put Jaying in this position. And so it's like, what are what what are we actually trying to say here? <laughs> like, no, I think you're right. And like they've it's something that's just i think like it's like built into the dna of the show yeah where it's sure. kind of a little bit of problematic because and they've they've i think taken real efforts to address this when they've been aware of it like from the beginning like where like you pointed out when we've when we've started covering the very first episodes you know the whole point of Vin sky you know of daisy what is was originally to like be a check and balance and like be like what what are you guys really really doing where are you overstepping your boundaries? Where should your boundaries be? What's what's the real point of this? Who are you really serving? And I feel like there's there's like a separation between the active government and the active system. Like they're a little bit subversive, they're a little bit underground or or, or off the books or whatever. But it's like it's only noble because of this cartoon. It's like the it's like the myth of like a noble monarchy being the best. Yeah form yeah. of government or whatever because like oh well if the person is just incorruptible and perfect and omniscient then of course it's going to be fine but it's like yeah. even yeah. colson who genuinely does have the best intentions when we meet him in the show he's utterly compromised you know oh, yeah. and, he, and he only gets worse as time get, goes on as far as that compromise goes but he's still trying you know like, like yeah 
and it's it's very much i think like this this mythical idea that can't be applied in a one-to-one relationship to real life because in real life these guys who are off the books who are part of the government but are shadow organizations are cia and they're going off yeah. and doing government sanctioned murdering of people <laughs> you know yeah. like like, like money, all they're doing money, is killing people trade to like get money to like be able to do this kind of shit like right yeah, all- stories about how he was pretty sure the cia was feeding them opium because or you know selling them opium to like fund their enterprise in in southeast asia at the time like <laughs> it's just crazy shit like that well, absolutely <laughs> you know and that's I knew I knew a guy once who uh who who uh in retrospect uh the people I knew him through were like oh we're pretty sure that he was like doing crazy shit for the CIA and Russia mm-hmm. during the Cold War because like like he did he did all this illegal smuggling stuff like and it's oh, like yeah. like there's no way that he wouldn't be in prison right now yeah, <laughs> like, right? here if, if he wasn't sanctioned by the government and like, like, uh, like, like that's just how they did sh- like, like that shit is all seeped in with illegal smuggling and like you mm-hmm. said, drug running. And it's like all that shit is just dirty. And even e- those people are in real life trying, I think it, it's a mixture. It, when it started, it was a, not a noble goal necessarily, but trying to be pragmatic, I think. Yeah. But like like any anything else with structures of power in a racist system, you know, like in a white supremacist system, it's like a bunch of old white men are now in a, what's right. Yeah, and they're in positions of power yeah. that are equally influenced by just trying to maintain that power for themselves as individuals as they are yeah. doing any sort of serving of justice or greater good. And like that's just the way the system is engineered to sustain itself. It's, it's fucked up. And, and they, they operate outside of it where other than Colson, you know, where Colson who is in charge when we, when we start the show was recruited and was a subordinate to, and happily and a hundred percent with no resentment or issues served a black man and now brings in a very diverse team and treats them all equally. It's like, it's, it's, it's a, it is a, pie in the sky like yeah <laughs> perfect version of of a top secret government organization i fucking Absolutely. wish i yeah. wish that she was real <laughs> i know but um so in the next episode because we watched this episode in the next episode for today's recording um senator nadir plays a very interesting role in this discussion and i think we can talk about it next episode what the fuck we'll talk about it now who cares <laughs> like um or spoiler spoiler for or you know spoiler rampant at this point well she she like is the senator that is working you know on the on the surface is working for civil rights and to protect the public and she's doing it in a really like xenophobic xenophobic shitty way but she calls shield on like you don't have a warrant you can't search my house like why are you here like oh there's one good shield agent in all of shield like shield is a police force like they're you know they cause as much problems as as they you know as they fix and it's like she's painted as the villain in this case or like part of the villain villainous organization and yeah she's doing shitty things um but it's just like it's so complex because yeah it's a commentary on racism like the the inhuman you know 
the anti-inhuman sentiment and things like that. It's a commentary on xenophobia, but also like this should be a commentary on like law enforcement and government overreach and things like that. I feel like, especially now that shield is official, it's officially like funded and run by the U S government. So I, I feel like at the end of this season and like into the next season, it kind of goes away from that because it becomes less about, you know, um, I don't know, being grounded with like the regular people, which is kind of where the show started out. And it becomes more and more like, oh, we got to deal with this space shit. <laughs> like no, It does. It gets far further and further removed. And I think there's still stuff like like this season in particular that la- the next third, the last third has a lot of social commentary, you know, oh, yeah. like, like, and it's upsettingly prescient. Like I like when they were starting, when they wrote that and probably when they filmed a bunch of it, the election hadn't happened yet. So yep. yep. <laughs> okay, yeah. like, like on some level they have to feel like, Oh, we, did, did we do this? <laughs> like, did we yeah. predict, did we predict like just the blatant open nazism <laughs> like yeah it's but, crazy like they were just commenting on like the captain america run that was going on at the time but it was actually applicable for like yeah, it's like it's like just a preview happening? for the real world yeah. great great job guys great job mo, mo and jed yeah. <laughs> uh, but i don't know like it's this is so this what this is what gets really complicated about like I don't know, like I'm a, I'm a pretty radical socialist or I try to be like, I'm super into capitalism. I'm like, you know, down with the system. It's not working for the major vast majority of people in the world. But like, I love this show because of the characters, you know, but also it's like, it's still in the system of Hollywood and it, which is, you know, white men benefit from <laughs> vast, you know, vastly more than any people of color. And so it's very like complicated to like, be like, oh, like the the val the the basic values in the show that they're trying to get across, which is like loyalty and love is like very powerful and doing the right thing. Um and saving the people that you love and like protecting the people that you love. But it's like, but we're still a government we're we're still like the, essentially the CIA. <laughs> like oh, and, and it's, it's just it's like, and I think it's 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 a it's an issue with a lot of our pop culture stuff in general. Yeah. But like, it, I mean, it's just born into the idea of superhero stuff it really because is, it is, yeah. be, be, and that's so pervasive. Like, I think of the most real, still actual comic book superhero thing that's like the just the best that's come out in a long time or maybe ever is the the uh, Watchmen season on HBO. Yes. Incredible. Yes. And it's subversive in every possible way. It's thoughtful. It's thought provoking. It challenges itself and its own preconceptions and it challenges viewers. But all that being said, the main heroes are still cops and federal officers. Like they're, they're still the yep. heroes of the story who are doing the right yep. thing. And the and the villains are the ones who are outside the system, possibly like shot down by the system, trying to. Although like it, it, it's it, although they're also in part. You know, white senators. <laughs> I was thinking more of Lady True, to be honest. Oh no, no, like, no, 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 no. Like, but even even the white, like the white, the white supremacist subplot, like I kind of forgot about because it was so like inconsequential. <laughs> but see, I was thinking she's more along the lines of these more complex films, where she is mm-hmm. the big bad, but she's also 
you know, not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like just, yeah. just terrifying. <laughs> like yeah. like the, the potential is, is too, too scary to handle. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, because she's too, too smart for any of that. Yeah, but okay. it's it's interesting because, again, she's the woman of color that's outside. The, she's not a cop or any type of government agent of any sort. And but she just like has so much power, unchecked power. Like uh, there is a big commentary on that. It's like, would no, she make a better Dr. Manhattan? You're 100 like, percent right. And like would she <laughs> unchecked like this. I don't know. It's- our, our, our sci-fi or fantasy fiction, I think, that is outside of superheroes as much as i'm i i love them you know my personal attachment to comics and the superheroes in particular is huge but at the same time it's like i feel like that stuff that's just outside of that they really do just have a chance to really be subversive even though they are owned by these big giant corporations and whatnot who are producing them it allows creatives to really say something and you look at also like i'm sticking with these uh high quality hbo shows right now but uh shows like uh his dark materials or westworld Mm -hmm. can actually challenge our fucked up systems Mm -hmm. because they're not beholden to being like oh no the hero is originally based on a, a straight white heterosexual you know man with mm-hmm. a giant symbol on their primary colored costuming with a cape <laughs> you know it's a, like, like red white and blue <laughs> like, you don't have to start with that with nationalism mm-hmm. and and some weird transmogrification of like uh combining hercules and uncle sam as the basis for everything you do like when you don't have to start with that it's a lot easier to be like oh this is what feminism should be yeah. or this is or this is like how we take down the system, like like yeah. as dark materials is about. Yeah. But, like, let's I, I kill like, God. Like, yeah, let's <laughs> challenge our entire fucking system because it's yeah. broken. <laughs> like, like, like from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, it, I don't know. It's uh, it's cool to think about how this show is as challenging as it is. Like because it is a network, you know, an ABC network TV uh, superhero spinoff show. But it still has those constraints of just like the basic world that it exists in. Yeah, it, it, it is like our heroes are cops. They're rule. They're the rule setters. Yeah, and even and they break they they break their rules, but only in service of making sure that the really bad rule breakers are stopped. Yeah, but are those really bad rule breakers truly in the wrong, or is it yeah. just this? You know, like what the system has decided is wrong. I don't know. I don't think we're gonna any any of this is answered. I think it's just a good thing to bring up because of I don't know the current climate we're in and kind of I think where I feel like this is where the national conversation should be going to be honest versus like versus which white man should we should we vote for in the Democratic Party? It's like no, let's let's How do we rethink the system entirely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think it's important to just acknowledge like what the setting is for this yeah. show because like you said like i mean this going back to eli like yeah he got lost along the way but he was you know marginalized people deal with this all the time having to work twice as hard just to get through the door is like 
that resonates with me so much is like you think about Elizabeth Warren, like we're in like election season right now. Like she is so overprepared for everything because she has to like and she's a white woman who is relatively more privileged than the majority yeah. of the U.S. population. <laughs> and, and, like, and like, 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 like considering of all the potential theoretical white women who could have risen to power in the Democratic Party, she's also she's not the least problematic at this point. You no, know, like, like, I know. She's got some shit she still should probably be apologizing hasn't, for yeah, much better than with. she has. Yeah, she, yeah. She's, not, she's not reckoned with in any legitimate way. Like it's been yeah. super superficial. Like, yeah, I'm sort of sorry. I'm not like happy yeah. about the wrong stuff I did, but is it really even wrong? Let's move on. I, I was yeah, bullied, you know, whatever. Like, like it sucks because like she was bullied. There was a lot of racist shit that had nothing to do with her, but it's just like, just say you were fucking wrong. Yeah. You're not Native American. Like, you can't identify as that. You can't use that to get into law school. Like, <laughs> I can raise my hand. The Venn diagram of uh, of uh, white people with uh, grandparents or great-grandparents or old relatives who said something racist about cheekbones and I were probably <laughs> Native American. I've got that in my family. I have yeah. old racist relatives. But guess what? We tuned them out. <laughs> and and yeah. like my, my mom looked over to me when I was eight and was like, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. You know, that's, <laughs> like, that's insane. Like they're, they're, don't, no. don't mimic that. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about that. No, we're white. <laughs> well, yeah. like, like, it's, like, it'd be great if we weren't, but, yeah. but we're not. Like it's just, yeah. just the way it is. Like, like, like we're not we're not an American. Yeah. And like how hard is that for her to say? It shouldn't be as hard as it is. But but you're absolutely right. It's like she still like has to work so fucking hard and doesn't even sort of get get fair play. Like there are there are candidates who never got on the stage who should have, who were qualified because they're not you know, white men and, yeah. and, and Julian and, Castro, and, for instance, <laughs> like should have been on the stage and, and, and white men on stage who should not have been. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just like, read something that like they might allow Michael Bloomberg to join the next debate because he has the the money. Like what, what, who set this threshold of being able to be on stage for a debate because of how many, how much campaign donations Ross Perot <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> is that nonsense like that's gotta be it right like because he like, ran as an independent back in the day and he got yeah. it got in the debates because he was super he was rich. rich yeah I feel what like it's his fuck? fault although yeah. I would like to disrupt the system like like he again like he had some kernel of something good there but it was all about his his own giant ego so it didn't yeah. <laughs> really create any change it just created a precedent of every once in a while a super rich white asshole shows yeah. up with everyone else and rambles along with his own bullshit and yeah. doesn't doesn't affect any change except for maybe fucking up the vote yeah. <laughs> or like you know pulling the news away from joe biden whatever i don't know very, very, this or, is a weird aside but i feel like it's important and it, yeah yeah this, this we've kind of gone gone all over the place with this aside but bottom line is i don't know we have this, this to stuff with, with Jeffrey Mace this, this episode. Yes, I know. Well, let's move forward because there's still a lot of the episode left. And this is something we can talk about next episode too with um, Ellen Nadir because I feel like she's a good foil for this conversation or for the the shield-like symbolism of we're we do the right thing we're the yeah, good and it's we're only the good, gonna get, we're the good police force in the government. I, I feel like, like this conversation <laughs> will be ongoing and it, it will only like – really really increase it'll kick into high gear when we 
third of the season. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. So, um, uh, Eli, you know, is, is he was, you know, he has his little speech and then, um, he puts another spike through Robbie. So Robbie is now pinned by two spikes into this box, which dude, this is your nephew. Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, I get that Robbie wants to kill you because he's the ghost rider, but that's your nephew. I don't know. That's really sad. Um, well, I do think like, he, like we talked about how he, he's just a, but I also think like they're teasing a little bit of that of how he's how the power is getting to him like like him yeah. talking about being a god and shit yeah. like i think him him being extra cruel to robbie is a little bit of like wallowing in that and, and yeah. divorcing well, himself from his humanity a little bit with this well power and it makes trip. me think too that like maybe eli's mistake is he was trying to his idea of power is proximity to whiteness and like being in the room with all of the white people who were like, you know, thought leaders and things like that. And the scientific community where like, that's where he felt like the power was, which that's fair. Like, so it's like, maybe now that he has this power, he is, you know, Robbie is like, if anyone in the, in like this room is, if we're, you know, if we're, having a, a a contest on who's the most marginalized like probably Robbie like um grew, you know never finished high school like um essentially is like working to like raise his disabled kid brother like uh, like un his uncle has in been in prison for how many years i don't know like and his uncle as soon as he gets like an ounce of power he just like shoots him down that's like that's a commentary all on its own <laughs> of like I don't know what some what some people of color do to to gain power and what they what they perceive as power is proximity to whiteness and it's it's all fault. Anyway, um Mace joins Colson um with uh Radcliffe and May and um Ada um brought the stuff to build the arch or whatever. Um and Mace wants to go on scene and he's like maybe it's time that the world sees like who the director of Shield is and blah 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 and uh, it's, I don't know weird um he's just a weird character he's a that's another one that we'll we'll start talking about in a little bit when we when the when the the stuff that he's lying about comes out <laughs> um so fitz has fixed daisy's gauntlets and um that you know she's like oh yeah it feels good like you know i feel like i can absorb whatever or, you know my arms aren't gonna break. and and F simmons and fitz are like oh yay director mace is here blah 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 and um they're all like super salty and like daisy's like what's going on like you don't like your new director and so they start telling her about how he is involved with nadir somehow and then how he put a bag over simmons head and like shipped her off to like help her brother or whatever and they're just not happy about it he's two-faced liar as they say um, meanwhile, Mac is pissed that Mace wants to send Yo-Yo back into the field. He's being super overprotective and he's just like ripping Mace a new one. He's like, how dare you? Blah, blah, blah. And he's just like mouthing off. And Yo-Yo is like, um, you don't speak for me. Uh, and, uh, May or Mac is like, dude, you know how I feel about you? Like, that's, that's all, that's where this is coming from. And she's like, Mac, I have many gifts, but reading minds is not one of them, which, oh, damn. Yeah, just tell her how you feel. God. <laughs> no, like, well, I mean, since uh, it's this episode and uh, we are not worrying about like spoilery stuff, it feels like it'll be as pertinent now as it will be when you get to it in the, in the recap. Mm -hmm. But like at some point, 
uh, I think towards the very end of the episode, they have like one more little talk and they, they, you know, make it out and whatnot. And he, uh, you know, I feel like they've had that exchange once before at the beginning of the season where mm-hmm. he says something about them being like, f- still being friends. And she's like, Oh, are we friends? Like, 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 yeah. What are uh, we? Yeah. Yeah. And she's just like, I, I, I love how direct she is with him. Cause he's not playing games, but his, his in confidence and his insecurity and his worries and whatnot are like getting in the way, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I, I love how she cuts through the bullshit and she is a little irritated, but she's not like, she's also not, I don't she's know. Still she's not holding, yeah, yeah, she's not holding it against him. She's not accusing him of playing games or treating him that way. She just wants him to come out and communicate to her like how he feels and what he wants. And he, he can't do that. Even when they're making out at the end of the episode, he still doesn't say in words how he feels. Like he just kisses her, which I guess is its own form of communication. But still, it's like, yeah, Mac, Mac has some problems here. <laughs> Yeah, it's effective in the moment, but but she's she is so good at communicating, and I think that it's jarring and, and endearing, and and something that's that's like very realistic. I think like like it's a it's a quality that makes him feel like someone that you could know, because there are people who are like very good at most of their relationships, but like those kinds of cues, like they aren't good at expressing or yeah. reading the room, you know, and knowing they stand and- or even just yeah knowing knowing how they feel and being able to put that into words like mac is clearly having a hard time with this and there's there's trauma i think involved in that. <laughs> well i love that he's he's like the best big brother and wingman and best friend and co-worker and he, all these things he's like hyper aware mm-hmm. but when it comes to him yeah yeah but he can't uh, like like being able to figure out how to say I like a girl when he knows that she likes him back, yeah. like like he still can't do, like he's still like tongue tied, and I think it's especially endearing when it's a guy that looks like. Oh him. yeah, <laughs> it's like come on, like, he looks like a god. Yeah, right, exactly. Like like, like 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 he just kicked the ass out of all of all the Greeks statues you know? yeah. like, <laughs> god put Hemi- henry simmons in anything everything please like why isn't he in more things right, that are right now i think he'll he'd accept me speaking for him uh just like uh what's his face james marsden from westworld and who played uh cyclops in the fox x-men movies mm-hmm. he recently said oh uh, just so you guys know like i'd be another X-Men character now they're in the MCU or anyone else in the MCU. If you want, it's like, dude, you're an actor who used to be in a bunch of big movies and are now in a bunch of high quality TV shows, but aren't in movies as much anymore. No shit. You'd be in the MCU. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone working in Hollywood, except for Martin, you know, Martin Scorsese, we yeah. all, we know they'd all work in the MCU. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and, but I, I feel like the, I'll say the same thing for Henry Simmons. He would play Mac in the MCU or anyone else you want. Like I think, and, mm-hmm. and they should use him because he's great. Yeah. He is. Not only does he have that physical presence, but he's a great actor, like emotionally a great actor. Yeah, no, I want to see him in not like I, I want to see him in the superhero, but I also want to see him in not superhero stuff. And yeah, like put him in the Netflix show or an HBO show, put him in something cool. Like, I know <laughs> something cool where he can show his acting chops and just look badass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I there, there's this is it's like a, a horror, like renaissance right now between mm. both the big screen and uh, and the small screen like 
Especially in black filmmaking. <laughs> like yeah, put him put him in a Jordan Peele movie where you can uh you know chop up zombies with an axe shirtless <laughs> uh, and, and have some really emotional pathos with his family and yeah. uh, and, and have a social commentary. <laughs> right? like, yeah. I like, I would love that. I can't do horror. I haven't been able to watch a Peele movie, but I read all of the plot on <laughs> I'm I'm like I'm I'm not like a film or comic or anything like snob. I know what I like and I like, and I, but I don't like, I don't know. I don't judge what's like pop as bad or, or like, or, or, or feel like really like I have any, anything over anyone else as far as taste goes. But I do feel like I don't love horror in general unless they're really, really good or really, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> like the vast majority of horror isn't my thing, but if it's like awesome, then I can handle it and I like love it. And if it's just the worst, <laughs> like if, if it's earnest, but awful, yeah, I can it's, also handle yep. it, which is really fun. Like, which there is a reference in the next episode of shield that we cover <laughs> yeah. uh, t- directly to a really, really shitty amazing horror movie that mac and yo-yo have that is called chopping mall oh my god yeah um here let's let's finish this recap really quick we're almost we're getting there wait we're yeah um but yeah put henry simmons and everything and 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 anything and everything um anyway so daisy is like um i don't know if this is possible but i feel like i can feel an earthquake coming like what i don't i don't know what this is and um, Fitz is like still ranting about how Eli isn't creating things because physics like and so he suggests that Eli is stealing matter from elsewhere, maybe another dimension. Hmm? So he's suggesting that that's why there's all these earthquakes like things are becoming unstable because Eli is taking things from where he shouldn't be taking them. Um, so Mace and Coulson are kind of having this out. Mace is super mad that he's been left out of the loop. Um, and Coulson's like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, what about Senator Nadir? <laughs> and like, and he's kind of like, Oh, and then Daisy sh- shows up and she's like, yeah. Uh, what about that? Um, and Mace explains to them how she had, you know, photo evidence of Daisy and Robbie like on one of their missions. And so she was, he was protecting shield and Coulson's like, why didn't you come to me? And he's like, <laughs> Mace is like, we are not a team that trusts. We are not a team at all. And he like sits down and pouts, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> Cause it was just, so, he just like wants this, he, you know, this corporate tagline to work and it's just not working. He's so upset by it. But, um, uh, they're like, Coulson's like, yeah, you're right, but maybe we can become a team now. He gives this inspiring speech. And then um, he's like, but we got to deal with like the bomb or whatever. And Daisy's like, oh, Fitz already figured that out. <laughs> like, <laughs> no worries. And she just leaves. Um, so Eli is now making water. He's like filling this glass up with water. And he goes to Robbie, this is water. And Robbie's like, cool. Congratulations. <laughs> And Eli is like, no, this you don't understand. Like, this is the next step in my power because it's a, you know, it's a it's a compound. It's not just an element. Like, this is the next step in my power to creating life. And Colson shows up and he's like, you might want to get a girlfriend first, which I was like, oh my God, Pete Colson line. <laughs> it's he's such a dad. Like, it's, <laughs> like he he's, he is the dad who just came in and embarrassed everybody else. Like, oh I God, know. dad. I know, Dad. Why'd you say that? <laughs> I'm trying to show off my powers. 
Um, and he brought a chain with him. And um, meanwhile, on the floor underneath the box that Eli created, Ada is building this her arch again. And um, Fitzsimmons and Daisy are talking, you know, they're talking about whatever. But Ada is like kind of eavesdropping and she hear, overhears them saying like, you know, you know, whatever happens, let's let's all try to make sure that we all leave here together. Like they don't want one of them to die. And Ada is overhearing this conversation. So clearly she has plans to, you know, protect them. Um, meanwhile, Coulson is still talking with Eli and he's like, I can't believe you tried to kill Robbie. Like what the fuck? And Robbie starts telling Coulson, he's like, Hey, I'm feeling like how I felt in the in-between place. Like, I think the writer is trying to, you know, he doesn't want to, to leave or whatever. Like he's, he's, he's getting upset. Um, and Coulson is like, Eli, you can't even do this right. Like, you're just stealing shit from the in-between place, blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, downstairs, Daisy is trying to absorb the earthquakes that are coming, but they're getting worse. So she's just like, like, oh, they're getting worse. And I, I, don't, I don't remember who says it. If it's Simmons or someone else is like, oh, I hope those gauntlets hold up. And then Fitz is like, yeah, the gauntlets aren't what I'm worried about. Like, Daisy might, like, <laughs> internally combust here. Um, and Coulson realizes that Eli thinks that he can still, quote, create matter after death. And so um, the bomb is not it, it's not like a fail safe. It's it's his end game. Like he wants to blow everything up, die and still and become a god, essentially. Um, and Coulson is like, OK, Robbie. Since this is now his endgame, time to get out of the box. And he throws the chain at him. Um, and May, Mac, and Mace show up. And they take out all of Eli's men. And um, Yo-Yo comes in. And there's this really cool scene how she's, like, kind of running through the combat area. And she corrects every, a few positions. So she, like, moves Mac uh, so that he's aiming his shotgun axe at, a, at, a, at one of Eli's guys. He, like, someone's pointing a gun at Coulson. And so she takes the gun and puts it in Coulson's hand. So he's pointing it at the Eli's guy. And then I can't remember what she does with Mace. She does something. Um, and so and then she puts this thing on Eli's chest. And uh, then it comes into real time. The, the Whatever the thing is that she put on Eli's chest throws him into the box. Um, and then, you know, Coulson shoots the guy, Max shoots the guy, and they're all kind of like, huh, what? How did this happen? <laughs> and then um, uh, Robbie lets the writer show up um, as Eli is in the box with him. And um, he's like, Coulson is like pulling on the chain, trying to get Robbie out of the box. And then Robbie, like, as the writer looks down at Eli and he lets go of the chain, he's like, no, this is how it has to be. And the little box in the back of the box closes. The thing starts to explode, but the gate underneath the box opens and just swallows everything and everybody's just gone. Like <laughs> Eli and Robbie are gone with the box and everybody like, like is just like, whoa, what the fuck? And then meanwhile, downstairs, when they were like trying to like make sure all this was set up properly, some of Eli's men come down and get, start shooting at the kids at, at, I say the kids at Daisy Fitz and Simmons and Ada steps in front of them to protect them. And she takes all of these bullets. And she starts bleeding, which is weird. Um, yeah, I know she's like <laughs> a synthetic human and whatnot, but like for real, when they have like glowing insides and whatnot. Yeah, like, but she's still bleeding. Like, yeah, well, we'll feels... get to that because it's it it is <laughs> there's a shitty story that's that forms out of this, or at least like performatively forms out of this. Um. So anyway, the box disappears. Um, and everybody is just like, where did they go? Like are they gone? Like, and they're like, shit, we lost Robbie. Like, fuck. Um, meanwhile, 
Ada is on the floor bleeding and she's feeling pain. And apparently Radcliffe wanted her to seem as real as possible. So he programmed her to feel pain, which is really fucked up if you think about it. <laughs> um, and Daisy is just like, oh, my God, like she's like sick from trying to control these earthquakes. She's like, I have to go outside. And so she runs outside. She does her like superhero jump up and she just like floats up in the air, <laughs> which is like kind of crazy and then she does her like superhero landing right in front of all the cameras that are outside the the warehouse and they're like were you here the whole time blah blah, blah. and they start bombarding her with questions and may shows up and he's like oh it was part of the plan the whole time blah 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 and he just like has her back and basically paints her as a hero and like shakes her hand he's like just go with it <laughs> he's like yeah follow my lead and she's like, like okay cool um so essentially, he's like, "Oh, Quake saved the day. She was here the whole time. She's the reason nobody blew up." Blah, blah, blah. And I think, I think like the best way to describe him overall, because like we talked, we talked about in past episodes. I think we hinted at all of his future lies that are exposed and whatnot. Which I, I don't know if they've all been exposed yet, or if just halves of them are to everyone, to, to the viewers. Yeah. We we just know them all. But like we know Simmons knows some of them. But overall, like, like I think he he makes me get like a, a Kennedy vibe mm, because yes, I think yeah. he earnestly does want to do good, but he also like, like you said before, like he says catchphrases and he means them. <laughs> and like he really earnestly wants catchphrases to be true, you know, <laughs> like, like, like working together as a team or whatever. And, and he, but he's also like, like just like those guys, he's kind of corrupt too. <laughs> like kind of fucked up too. I don't know. Yeah. I it's he's you're right he like wants to do the right thing and he kind of goes about it in a fucked up way but the his image is ultimately what's most important I think to him and that's very like politician thing like but it comes off as skeevy because it's like where's your integrity I don't know it sucks because I really like Mace as a character but he still feels gross every time he does stuff like this and it's like man like (laughs) No, yeah, it, it, it's it's he'll say something that seems meaningful, and then he caps it off with like a platitude that makes it feel super disingenuous, and then like does like a smile, like he's getting a photo op, you know? Yeah, like, and it's like, like he didn't actually care about Daisy. Like he, it was just convenient that she was there, and he could spin it to make him and Shield look better, right. and her in the process too. Like he is helping her, but that wasn't his sole motivation, you know. And there are other moments where, like, where you know he's talking to Simmons or whatever, or or to Coulson, and and I genuinely believe I don't think that we're supposed to believe as viewers that he's full of it. I think there are times where he's been earnest, and like you can tell he wants to do the right thing, or he has their back. Like yeah. he's not all all about playing the system or playing the game he is a little bit but i think it just the the fact that he is willing to play the game but he's willing to lie when the president tells him to and you know i mean that's a very real thing like i feel like that's more real than colson's doing the right thing every time type of thing you know what i I mean i think you're absolutely right it's (laughs) like like you look at a you look at a president like a did so much good but overall as a human being and and as a president is like not even sort of without you know a fault or criticism you know is is infinitely problematic it's like that 
there's one guy in American history who seems to actually maybe be that that kind of politician, and that's Jimmy Carter, and that's a yes. anomaly. <laughs> like, yeah. and he literally couldn't he could not be successful in our yeah. system because yeah. if you don't play the game, you can't be successful. You yeah. can't get anything done at all yeah. if you aren't willing to compromise hugely yeah. on all sorts of important moral shit and like, like like you're absolutely right like it is it not realistic to be like colson and like a guy who is 60 percent good and 25 percent yeah. bullshit and, and everything else is just covering his own ass yeah like, that's that's, that's a real. politician that's that's probably our best bet that's a real Democratic human Party. being not just that, a politician that, like no, you're absolutely right. That's just that's just a well-rounded human being, and and our best bet as a at a politician. Oh yeah, like, that's like, like the best case scenario. <laughs> yeah, like like if only Pete Buttigieg was actually that guy. Oh, God. <laughs> like I I wish <laughs> he was sixty percent. Yeah, I know, but yeah, I really I do. I mean, it's being painted as shitty, but that's that's the reality of human beings you know and i think that we're not supposed to hate him he's just not no. we're just not, not supposed to like fully we're supposed trust, to be, you know i think we're supposed to be like disappointed with him yeah you know what i mean because i don't feel I do. like i'm i don't hate him and i don't necessarily like i'm not necessarily grossed out by him but i'm always like man like you could have just done the right thing you know because the bar has been set by daisy especially by daisy and simmons and you know every, i mean everybody's has has their you know points in their on the show where they <laughs> have put themselves or the people that they love above the you know doing the right thing no matter what but i, th I think i think the <laughs> best way i can describe mace from for, uh, you, you just you the way you're talking about it synthesized it for me it's like it's it works really well as the meta thing that I've talked about in the comics connection that mm -hmm. we introduced him. That he was a replacement Captain America, and even in this oh, role, yeah. it's after uh, Cap Civil Captain, War, right? Yeah, so it's yeah. after Steve is out of commission. So he's like he is sort of filling that role in the public eye. They wish they could have had Steve be the replacement for Shield, but it's actually this guy filling in the role. Of, like so, yeah. he he is the Kirkland brand <laughs> Captain America. <laughs> And he's just as disappointing as that sounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just disappointing, I think, is the word for him. He's, he's, Kirk, he's Kirkland brand Steve Rogers. You thought yeah. you were getting the real thing. And you're like, oh, I, yep. it's, I guess it's okay. Yeah. Steve <laughs> Rogers has set the bar for like selfless, doing the right thing all the time, which is weird because he's like a government agent, but whatever. <laughs> um, he, he lets go of that to do the right thing. Anyway. But for Bucky, I don't know. That I feel like that storyline is kind of weird. But anyway, um, <laughs> Director Mace, just disappointing. <laughs> it would be yeah. the title of this episode <laughs> if we did titles. <laughs> um, so we're on the Zephyr and Robbie's car is still there. And Daisy's kind of looking at it. She's very sad. And Colson's like, you know, I think we'll see Mr. Ray's again. I don't think we're done with him. Which big foreshadowing there. Um, He's like, I hope you're right. Colson's like, hey, um, so I know you're back, but like, if you want to be officially back, you can and um, have this little chat. And she's like, yeah, you know, there are a few things that I missed. Um, and Colson's like, they missed you too. <laughs> it's really sweet. And yeah, then, that was that was really cute. <laughs> really cute. And it's so earnest. And it's this is totally like an earnest conversation that you know, old Daisy and Coulson would have. So it's nice to see them back on this level again. And Daisy's like, you know, it helps that the new face of S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't inhuman. 
And Coulson says, you know, I thought the new face of S.H.I.E.L.D. should be an Inhuman, but not him. And he looks at her and she's like, really, me? And she's like, maybe in the comic book version. And walks away. <laughs> Which that is, I think, not long after in the comics. May, like within a year, I think, of her actually becoming yeah. the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. the comics. Yep. <laughs> so pretty good it. stuff. I know. Um, so Yo-Yo is leaving and Max starts running after her and he's like, don't go. And she's like, why should I stay? <laughs> like, And she's like trying to make him confess his feelings. And she's like, I can't figure you out, Turtle Man. And then this is when he kisses her without even like confessing how he actually feels. And no, all he like, says after <laughs> kissing her is, don't call me Turtle Man. <laughs> and as, as usual. As close as he comes yep, to actually yep. expressing his feelings. <laughs> It's a very like rom-com moment though, which I'm all about. like, I love that cheesy, cheesy romance stuff. They they pull it off really well. Like, yeah. I, like when it's done well, I I really do enjoy it as uh, myself. And and yeah. they 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 have a really good chemistry and their their banter's good. They, mm-hmm. They're they're good. Turtle man. <laughs> Um, and as usual, Colson interrupts and everybody goes into the common room and they're all hang- you know the team is all back together. Um, and, um, you know, Nadir doesn't have her blackmail fuel. So what is she going to do? And Sims is like, now that you're back, like, I want to give you something. This is your new lanyard. And then she mentions like, I wish, um, agent Koenig could have been the one to give it to you, which is really sad. I forgot about him. And then now I'm sad he's dead. (laughs) Don't they already know? (laughs) Don't they already know that there's at least one? Like, I, I, I think that one isn't. One of them isn't actually dead. I think there's because only one yeah, of but, all of them is dead, and yeah. they met the second one, so he's just not around. <laughs> like she, she says it, but I feel like it's 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 more of a. It does feel sad because one of them's dead, but I feel like maybe it's meant to be like a shout out to we tried to get Pat Oswald, but he's busy doing something. I know, so we just wanted to mention he's still around. Like we still we're still thinking about him. <laughs> Funny, he, he loves lanyards. His, <laughs> when did his wife pass away? Oh, I don't know. That is might that have been... around this time or is this after? Life? It feels like it's really up. close to around that time. Because... April 21st, 2016. Yep. I absolutely, he was probably not working right now. No, when this was shot. Oh, that has to be right around that. That is yeah. awful to think about. But you know, once you said it, I was like, oh yeah, because he got together with Meredith Salinger like a yeah. year Which... after this aired and people people gave him the hardest time. Which Billy used to date her, by the way. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, so weird. That would be that would blow my mind just because she's in Lake Placid, which circles back yeah. to the bad horror movies that I yeah, love. Yeah, yeah. Lake Placid, awful movie. Also, also super misogynist, like like one yeah. of the most misogynist things yeah. I've ever ever seen. And it was written by David E. Kelly right when he started dating. Michelle Pfeiffer, which is fascinates me. Like, how yeah. can you write the most misogynist thing in the world when you're trying to impress Michelle Pfeiffer? Like, yeah, yeah, it's so make weird. It, it does, none of it makes any sense. It's so weird. that's insane. Um, that's insane. Yeah. Well, it was funny because like she's the voice of Barris Offy in the Clone Wars, and like when me and Billy first started dating, he's like, "Oh, I dated like he's like one of my friends. He's like one of my ex girlfriends is a voice actor on this show." And I was like, "Who?" Like, because there's only like five women, you know. I'm like, "Okay, I'm pretty sure it's not Ashley Eckstein, <laughs> like, um, or the the girl that plays Padme. Cause she's like super Christian, and Billy wouldn't do that." And um, so he was like, "Oh, it's it's Barris," and I was like, "What?" that's so crazy and then i found out and then they got together and i was like dude how does it feel to be eskimo brothers with Patton oswald (laughs) 
That is super, super yeah. cool. Like yeah. that's that's that, so that's weird. rad. She's just I mean, she's a great actor anyway and seems yeah. like a cool cool lady. That's that's cool. Yeah, I know. It was funny. Um anyway. Mace and Radcliffe are off in the kitchen of the common room chatting. Um, and Radcliffe is trying to convince Mace to keep the ADA program alive. Um, and Mace is like, yeah, we'll do that. Um, but you have to do all of your research here um, at the base. Um, and so Nathanson is back at Radcliffe's house. Um, he's, he's taking ADA back to the lab and he's getting all the research um, packed up in boxes. Which I always think it's funny when they do this because I guarantee most of that research is like on a hard drive, not on like paper files. But here we are, you know, have to symbolize packing shit up in boxes. But anyway, Nathanson is boxing everything up and he hears a beep in a closet and he walks over and opens the closet and he sees something horrifying, which we don't get to see on camera. And Ada shows up and she's like, you know, I know how this feels and I'm sorry. And she snaps his neck and kills him. Um, and the very end scene, um, which, you know, how we've been kind of questioning, like, has May been in the closet the whole time? And this was like Android May, like back with, you know, with S.H.I.E.L.D., which, yes, okay, that we are correct. That was May has been gone the whole time, basically this entire season, <laughs> like since since she was with Radcliffe at the, be- at the beginning. So Coulson and May, quote, Android May are chatting and they're drinking together. You know, they they finally get to have their drink and they're they're right where they're supposed to be and they're having this romantic moment and it's ruined and there's creepy music playing because this is not May and now we know it's not May. <laughs> they ruin it. But they have to ruin everything. It's so sad. <laughs> Can't just enjoy this moment of it, Coulson and May's budding romance. It's really, it's a really, really rough ending it's a gut punch and that like like she's like if we open this you know like there's no going back like, and, like yeah i mean if you are like, there's nowhere else I'd, I'd rather be or it's where i belong or whatever it's like it's like so frustrating i know it's so upsetting so upsetting it and we also, don't even see that may is the one in the closet this oh, is it, just you know what i mean like it's just implied that and and we know we know it all in retrospect, everything, but mm-hmm. it really is. It's just a huge, huge, like last hint after they've been hinting it since yeah the whole thing kind of began. And uh, did you watch uh, Lost when it was on? I did. Yeah. So uh, do you remember uh, Sun and Jin Kwan? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So their their whole plot now, knowing that like a few people especially Paul Z, but a few people from Lost are involved in S.H.I.E.L.D. Their relationship and a specific line in the final season and the Flash Sideways and their purgatory Mm -hmm. uh, alternate dimension thing. Uh, There's uh, Kimi, the the bad guy who is in the alternate world was a was a like mob enforcer and he was the like sociopathic mercenary Mm -hmm. from the freighter in the in the main story. He says to them uh, when he has uh, Jin tied up, he's like, you know, maybe some people just aren't meant to be together. And like, has he been hired in that world to kill him yeah. uh, by her dad? Yeah. And and it just, I was like, oh my god, it is Fitz it's and Paul Simmons Z. and 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 Jim, uh, you know, and 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 May, and it is the, he is the one who's obsessed with that. It's totally oh, Paul Z. No. It's his fault. I think he wrote one of these two episodes that like really hit home like oh my god they've spent three seasons keeping them apart and just like twisting the knife 
for these two characters that are like so amazing. I was just talking to a friend of the pod. Uh, oh yeah, they're the whole reason I watched Lost. To be honest, is because they're so good. Because when I, I mean, that show started when I was like in high school, and oh, man, I remember. That makes you feel old. I, sorry, well, I was like a C, so don't feel like too bad. <laughs> I'm not that much younger than you. But um, I was out of college. <laughs> yeah, well, I think so. My yeah, my senior year was the first season of Lost because we would all come to class like our our AP Lit class. We were all like, "Oh my god, did you watch Lost?" So, um, I remember because my stepmom is Korean. We were super excited that Daniel Day Kim was in this because we were like, "Oh my god!" Like we have Korean people speaking Korean on network TV. Like this is amazing. Um, so it was a big well, they deal. Were great. So that was pretty much the whole reason that like me and my stepmom watched Lost for the first couple seasons was like because we have these this Korean couple. And there's this storyline and a lot of it takes place in Korea and they're speaking Korean and it's like, oh my God, that's so cool. But yeah, I was, the whole reason I was about all about Lost was because I was super invested in their relationship. And of course, the only way they can be together is when they die together. <laughs> like, but it, it, it's, but it, it totally, it is like, yeah, it's recurring because it happens again and again in Lost. It's like Jack and Kate meant to be together, uh, torn apart. Nope. So, uh, uh, Sawyer and Juliet, she has yeah. to die, you know, as soon as they admit that they're in love and he's going to propose like this is paul z's thing yeah. he loves making you super attached to a Isn't ship it like the pregnant girl and the hobbit guy like didn't they have like a kind of a storyline like that too like yeah same thing like, yeah. like like she finally realized she loved him and, and then, then he, he has to die to save everybody the only person who gets to be with the person they want to be with is desmond which i mean i'm happy right. he's happy <laughs> yeah. but at the same time Sonia Walger is like cardboard. Sorry, lady. Like, no offense. You're, I'm sure you're good in other things, but in Lost, you are wallpaper, and and your only purpose is to send a message to that Hobbit and to yeah. be the bad guy's daughter and the object of affection of the Scottish guy everybody loves. It's like 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 oh like God. you're a prop in the show, and and like it, that's a bummer when you think of how many well-rounded women there are. And yeah. Like, 50% of them die on screen and the rest of them uh, end up in heaven. <laughs> None of them uh, get, a, get, a, get a happy ending. <laughs> like, oh my God. No, it's, it, but it does make me think like that's, I, I, I think I've narrowed down the source of our uh, romantic, <laughs> uh, uh, what like weird star cross lover obsession thing on this show. I think, I think I've narrowed it down to Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. That's so crazy. I didn't like, I'm so glad that you started watching Lost again to make that connection. Like, no, I never would have, I never would have made the connection. A yeah. couple, like every, every time I watched Lost in the past, the only name I ever noticed was Rauf Glasgow because that's the coolest <laughs> name I've ever heard. <laughs> like, like, either, like, just having the last name Glasgow is pretty cool or being named Rauf, pretty cool. But yeah. the combo, <laughs> I was like every time, but but no, this time I was. Hey, wait, Paul Z, that I'm not gonna butcher. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, oh, I know that guy's name, and yep. uh, and the other the other name I noticed a bunch was Drew Goddard, who it's less shocking. I rem I remember yeah, he was yeah. involved in it. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't surprised. So last sidebar before we end the episode, hopefully, maybe who knows? <laughs> um, I started. <laughs> I just finished Lost in Space, the new Lost in Space that's on Netflix. Oh, yeah. It's very good. It's super cheesy in some places, but I'm a sucker for that like family dynamic and like father-daughter relationship shit. And there's a lot of that 
Um, so I cried a lot, but, um, there's two seasons out and it was weird. Cause I don't, I think I don't normally watch because Netflix allows you to like cut through the credits, but for some reason, like it wasn't letting me. And I saw that Deborah Chow was a director on one of the episodes and it was like one of the good episodes, which she has directed two excellent episodes of The Mandalorian and is going to get the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, maybe if that works out, because the writer just left the <laughs> the Iranian British writer, which sucks. But um, I I feel like because of this podcast, I've been paying more attention to directors on tv because i don't know like we we talk about film directors all the time and like there's all these big ones but like people who work in tv like directing they like move around to a lot of different shows and they do a lot of different shit and i like never really paid attention to that until now <laughs> well and it's something that i think because of uh, uh, like a lot of the stuff i i've talked about before like because of uh working uh when i worked in comics and with my brother who worked in uh, and still works in developing of some of the the, the comic company he uh is the publisher of so like mm -hmm. properties for tv and film yeah yeah I've, I've paid a little bit more attention to stuff like that and it's it is very interesting to like just notice like uh there's there's a, a trend um it's def it, the, the the last uh aside i, I can come up with for today's episode uh <laughs> it uh, directly relates to this is uh film uh, directors a lot of times will direct the pilot of a tv show mm. and it ends up making them instant because of their their clout and whatnot they're instantly made executive producers of that show uh occasionally they'll be considered creators as well but that's something like The Good Place, Drew Goddard mm -hmm. directed that. Mm -hmm. uh, for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, executive producers on Brooklyn Nine-Nine include uh, uh, Lord and Miller, the guys who oh, were going to – Yeah, who did uh, yeah. Into the Spider-Verse because they did the pilot. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, so, that's crazy. I don't know Yeah, and, yeah uh, it, it happens all the time. Uh, that's what – what do you call it? Um, uh, who everybody loves from Iron Man, but I love from Elf. Uh, John Favreau. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he did Revolution. That show, he he directed the pilot of that, uh, which yeah. had Elizabeth Mitchell from Lost, full yeah. circle back to Paul Z, <laughs> and one of his star-crossed lovers because she played Juliet, Aww. who who first couldn't be with Jack and then couldn't be with Sawyer. <laughs> I, I do like too how they had two different relationships where Jack and Sawyer were vying for the same woman, and and they ended up settling. I felt it felt very like very much like a something out of an old Archie comic book because the blonde guy ended up with the blonde lady and the yeah. dark haired guy ended up with the dark haired lady. Yeah, it's got just a match like, up. Yeah, it's just oh like, uh, were you guys really just ripping off Archie? <laughs> like, what is this? But everyone rewatch Lost on Hulu. And if you do rewatch Lost, uh, don't let them fool you with the autoplay. It'll get, it, it, you get to the very end of the whole series. It'll play Two, uh, two parts of the the double finale cut down to their two episodes for syndication so what should be an hour and four, and 45 minute double length episode is instead two 45 minute episodes and it cuts a bunch of emotional stuff oh, and like, shit. Like, like a couple like important scenes like there's like a really sweet scene with hurley and ben they cut for no reason it's like why didn't why wouldn't they put the good one first? <laughs> Why would they assume you want to watch the shitty version online? Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there's some like legal, like you know, prop IP reason for that. Um, one last 
that's really, <laughs> that really sucks. Like, Our third final aside. One last aside. <laughs> so speaking of Elizabeth Mitchell, she plays a uh, lesbian minister on The Expanse. And the new season of The Expanse on Amazon is excellent. Like, I really have to catch Amazon- up. Yeah, I feel like The Expanse was kind of hindered by sci-fi being, you know, the the parent company that was like producing it because I feel like I don't feel like there were a lot of F-bombs. Maybe there were cuz Avasarala is like an F-bomb queen, but well, dude, they, they do uh, sci-fi on their uh, some like of it, prestige right? programming. I know on The Magicians, uh I watch it uh streaming directly from Sci-Fi after they air on TV and I know when they have it on TV, they bleep it. But when you either download it on iTunes or if you watch it off oh, of, directly okay, off the, their app, then they do have the F bombs. Okay, so, okay. Because uh, I was so, confused. But, but but that being said, I saw a sizzle reel for the newest season. I think like it was like show, yeah. show, showing off special effects, but like the sets and the special looks, effects. They have they have Amazon money now. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> It looks so good. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "What?" Like, like, because I, I like the first the first season. But I watched on your recommendation. I think right yeah. after, right three years ago, right when we started. Yeah, yeah. but but I had never I've I've never gotten caught up, and I like I want to now. I was already was jazzed to just because you've said it. It's continued to be good, or even got gotten better. Mm-hmm. And I saw that sizzle reel. It looked like really really good, impressive. Like like set pieces and cinematography and action sequences but seeing elizabeth elizabeth mitchell play someone different because i've seen her in like maybe three or four sci-fi shows Mm -hmm. and she plays the same lady in every one who always just looks kind of sad and has shit to do with being a mother or mother issues or something Mm -hmm. well she is kind of that character she is a mother but she her character is a lot more complex than what she usually. Hey, was. just the way you described her sounds en- like enough of a departure. Like I want, because <laughs> uh, I feel badly. Like every once in a while, I end up hating uh, an actor. I feel like because they they get typecast as a character I don't like, and I'm like, yeah. I've just seen you play a character who's not likable seven times. That doesn't mean you're a bad actor. That's just what happens. So, question: Going back, going full circle back to Shield. Is this what Luke Mitchell's problem is, or is it really him? I question it because I've seen him <laughs> in a couple things, and I've never. But he's he plays an asshole in uh, Tomorrow People. Like he plays the yeah. douchebag who like tries to like like have like ownership over his ex girlfriend, you know, like and it has and it has a hero Ugh. complex. Like he like he plays the white savior asshole. Like when the when there is already a pre existing heterosexual uh, you know uh male cis white guy lead character like like he's he's basically like a, he's like the supporting ca- white savior character <laughs> he, well to, to to cut back to to lost he's sawyer and he's constantly annoyed yeah. he's not jack he's like why aren't i the main character <laughs> like is basically his whole character's vibe mm. and it doesn't it just feels entitled you know so like i I don't he's definitely not likable he never does play a likable guy (laughs) maybe abe whatever he (laughs) in in his stupid uh uh one of one of his rescue shows where he plays some sort of uh, civil servant who helps people i'm pretty sure he's been a cop and a firefighter or an emp and a firefighter he's at least been two things and uh maybe he's more likable in one of those but also, the odds that I would enjoy one of those shows feels l- lower, you know? Like, Yeah, 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 that's true. 
I need some robot or or or, or magic. I need somebody or alien or yeah, yeah. I, yeah same. So somebody needs to be possessed by the devil or, or <laughs> something for me for me to be able to get on board with one of those shows. Oh my I God. tried watching the one with Michael Sheen at the beginning of this season, where it's just that he's he's it's basically like low budget Hannibal, I think, where it's yeah. like but but instead of it being him having a weird uh like like sexual kind of tension with the guy, it's the guy's son is his profiler. Oh. So it's, it's it, it, his son like has to deal with, oh, my uh, my dad's a serial killer. Am I a serial killer? Like, guess what? No. There is no nature versus nurture question here. Unless you fucking are killing people, <laughs> you're fine. Like, like, oh, no, I think like him. Like, guess what? You're catching killers. Murder is genetic. <laughs> Fuck you. Like, like they, 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 this is the stupidest shit I've ever heard. So oh I don't God. recommend Prodigal Son on Fox. <laughs> The premise is stupid. Uh, it does have Michael Sheen, who I like in most things. So yeah. I'm sure. I, I'm sure he's good in it, <laughs> but I, I couldn't. I couldn't <laughs> sit through the second episode, and I can watch some crap. <laughs> All right, I feel like we should end there because I feel like we could just keep going. <laughs> oh, for sure. Round and round with. We keep going back to Lost and to Shield and to, to... Shield. Technically, Lost Shield connections. Yeah. We haven't even gotten to Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we haven't. Anyway, um, where can people find you? People can find me at I Snow Nothing uh, online, a couple places. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Project Tahiti. You can send us an email at projecttahitipod at gmail.com. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Uh, if you're a browser listener, you can go to butwhythopodcast.com and listen there, or you can go to Podbean. Thank you all so much for listening to Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Catch you later. Bye. Dude, super gross. Oh my god, my cat is pooping. I'm sorry. Hold on. Great. All right. That's going to be fun for a few minutes. Hopefully, I can <laughs> <laughs> ignore it. <laughs>